Good morning, everybody. Okay, where are all the kids? Let me hear you, kids. Oh, that's it? Come on, kids. Where are you? That's it? Okay. All, all my kids, answer me. I, at, when I count to three, I want you to yell out your favorite thing to eat. Ready? One, two, three. Let me hear you. Okay. That's it? Cake? I like cake. That's good. All right. On the count of three, I want you to yell your least favorite thing to eat. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Feet. I heard feet. Oh, beets. Okay, that's a little different than feet. I'm like, if you're eating feet, we need to talk to your parents about something. That's just a, a little weird, but beets. You know, when, when, we, when we look at our favorite things to eat and our least favorite things to eat, what's funny to me is that we think about this, what we take in matters, right? What, what we take in matters, whether it be we, we're eating something, whether it be that we're uh, listening to something, hearing something. Um, and what we're talking about today is taking in the Word of God. We've challenged uh, our church or given a challenge to everybody. If you'd like to join us to read the Bible in a year, we have these guides. They're on the back table. Uh, we ran out of them last week, as a matter of fact, that so many people uh, took it at least for a guide. There's some things in here that'll help you, um, just to help you along the way. First thing is, you know, this is a five-day-a-week plan. So you have two oops days in there or two days to get ahead or whatever you want to do on that. Um, it take you about hmm, 10 to 20 minutes a day, uh, depending on uh, what, you're, what you're doing. You know, hope that uh, this kind of helps you out. We, in, we encourage you to go at your own pace. If this pace doesn't work for you, then go faster or go slower or, or whatever else. And write things down along the way that would uh, maybe have questions about. And um, also, don't do this alone. You know, have somebody with you. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to help people understand that God's given us this, this great book full of instructions that we want to take in. But here's something that we all have a tendency to do. You know, I have some favorite foods too. And I have some foods that I don't like at all. And for a while, we got to live in Louisiana. I don't know if you've ever been to Louisiana, but they know how to cook in Louisiana. Um, 15 pounds. I tell people, they say, when did you live in Louisiana? I said, about 15 pounds ago. That's what I... I tell them because that's, that's how you measure it once you get there. I mean, when I got there, and, and here was the crazy thing that would happen. People would invite me out to eat or over to eat, and they would make this dish. And I learned this, don't ask, just eat. That's what I learned. You know, it's kind of like being on a mission trip. Don't ask, just eat it, and, uh, and we'll do this. And it was some of the most amazing food at times that I would eat. And then I would always ask this question. Have you ever asked this question? Well, can I get the recipe? Anybody ever done that? And you think, I'm going to take this recipe, I'm going to take what these people have, and I'm going to go home, and I'm going to cook it, okay? And then I would, here's what I would do. I would get the recipe, and I would look at what's in it. And you know what I'm about to do, don't you? I would look at it and go, oh, I don't like that. You know, I loved the recipe. I loved eating it. I loved it. But then I'd look at it and go, I don't know that I like that. And so then I would leave it out of the recipe. And then I would cook it. And we would eat it, and we'd go, this doesn't taste anything like what we had. Well, no, duh. If you're leaving recipe, if you're leaving ingredients out of the recipe, it's, it's not going to work. You know, I say that because when we're looking at God's Word and we challenge people to, to read it and read the whole thing and take it in to our lives, really the point here, it's, it's not just to read it. And what we're going to talk about today is how do, I, how do I live it out? It's not just about taking it in. 
Now, if you weren't able to be with us last week, that's okay. But what we challenged people last week was a, a plan to take it in. And we have our podcast and our website up there if you want to look at last week's message that talks about maybe how to take it in and the plan for taking it in. But what I want to focus on today is once you have that plan to take it in, how do we then live it out? And as we're taking it all in, here's what we all have a tendency to do. We'll take it in, and then if we want to live it out, we tend to leave out some of the ingredients. Maybe you're going to come past part of it and go, oh, I don't know that I understand that. Or I don't know that I agree with that. Or I don't know that that's really relevant in today's world. Or I don't know. And we tend to start picking and choosing. And then here's what happens. We look back at our life and we say, I don't know that this is turning out the way that I thought that it was supposed to turn out. Well, here's my clue for you this morning. If you leave out ingredients, it's not going to turn out the way that you think that it's supposed to turn out. You know, God's word is intended for us to take in so that we can live it out. And Psalm chapter 1 gives us just a great word on this. Psalm chapter 1, starting in verse 1, listen to what it says. It says, how happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. And look at this illustration he gives. He's like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, prospers. So here's what the psalmist is trying to tell us. We're all looking for how to live life, how to navigate it, and we're either listening to good advice or we're listening to bad advice. We're either looking from within or we're looking to God or we're looking to others. We're, we're all looking for something. And what the psalmist says here is, look, it is great if you take your delight in the Lord's instruction, if you learn to take in God's word. And he says, and that's not even far enough, you meditate on it day and night. And then he gives this picture that it becomes like a tree that's planted a couple of years that honestly helped this fruit. Now something happened in my life in the last couple of years that honestly helped this, this little verse, verse 3, kind of come to life uh, for me. My, my wife and I, we built a house when we got here. And in the place that we were building a house, it was kind of this new area of a subdivision, and it just used to be somebody's farm field. You know what I mean? I keep finding golf balls, which I think is a sign from the Lord that I built in the right place. I just want you to know that, if you know me and how much I like to play golf. But it's just, I think it was just kind of this mess of a field. And our particular lot that we picked had one tree on it. The whole thing's kind of empty, but at the front of the lot, in a little corner, kind of between my house and where my neighbor was actually building at the time, there was one very sad, very dead-looking tree. And as we're building and they're doing all this thing, there's just this, honestly, it looks like a stick that's just coming out of the ground. There's no leaves on it. There's no anything on it. It's just kind of a very sad-looking tree. And somewhere along the process, my neighbor's house they were trying to decide how they're going to do the drainage. And he said, hey, I may need to take your tree out so that we can get the drainage right over in, in my area, if that's okay with you. And I'm like, it was dead. I don't, you know, whatever. He said, we'll put you a new tree in. And so we kind of agreed, okay, that's it. Well, lo and behold, he didn't have to do it that way. They figured out a way to get the, the drainage to go around it. And so, you know, that conversation passes by and 
A few months later, we both moved into our homes. And what happened is they installed this sprinkler system in the front of my yard, and they installed one in the front of his yard, and it all drains down by this drainage ditch, which is where this old dead tree was, I thought. Until about three weeks after we moved in, and everybody started watering their yard, and this tree all of a sudden goes, Phew! and it turns green, and it starts looking alive, and it starts dropping leaves all over everything that I now have to mow and pick up and do things like that. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. What looked absolutely dead is actually alive because it's actually put itself in the right place in the right way right now. It's there planted by the stream. And when I read this verse 3, that's kind of the picture that comes into my mind. When we put ourselves in God's word and we take in God's word and we put ourselves in a way that we can constantly be hearing from him and trying to live this out, whoop, things begin to happen. But when we choose to, as the psalmists say, walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway of sinners or sit in the company of mockers, we may very well be alive, but to everyone around us, we look very dead. We look very dead because there's nothing that's filling us up. So it's like I said, we've started this journey and to try to take in God's word, but the point is really to live it out. So I want to talk with you today just a little bit about how do I get the most then out of God's word? How do I get the most from God's word? Well, it's going to sound really simple, but hopefully it's very helpful. The first thing that we do is I have to read it consistently. I have to read it consistently. You, you need to go here. You need to be the one to take it in. There needs to be some sort of plan. Some of you have heard me share this story before, but when, when I started my very first year in seminary, the very first semester that I had, I took a class on the book of Mark. And my professor was a man named Dr. Lacoste Munn. Okay, I don't know if you know him or not. But he would walk into class every day. I share this all the time because it made such an impression to me. He would put his Bible on the table and he would teach the book of Mark word for word. And never miss it. And it almost became like a contest to me. I would open it up and go, did he get this word right? You know, did he get this right? And, and I was just in awe of this. And finally I asked him, I said, okay, how, what, how, what's the word here? Well, how are you doing this? This was 1994 when I was taking my first semester of seminary. Dr. Munn had been teaching in the seminary since the late 1940s at that point in time. And he said, well, it's pretty simple. I read the New Testament through every 30 days, and I've done it since 1948. I went, 48, 68, 78, 80. Oh, okay. So there's consistency there. There's how it, it comes in, and there's how he gets to know the Word of God. He read it consistently. It was always a part of his life. And so, therefore, you could see it in everything that he did. And so we have to do this. This is why we've given a, a plan and a path to try to read in verse 4. Moses is talking to the people of God, and he says this. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. You're supposed to take them in. And then he says this, verse 7. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. I love this picture. Because Moses is saying, don't just come to church, but take the word of God and make it a part of your life. Live it out. 
Memorize it. Bring it in. Tell it to your children. Talk about it with your friends. Make it a part of what you do. Find a way to consistently get it into your life. Have you ever tried to take on a new habit? Ever tried to take on something and get it consistent in your life? Doesn't it feel very mechanical at first? Isn't it very difficult? You have to do it with a lot of intentionality. Um, I liked to exercise in the evening. That was my preference. And so for years, it would be the end of a busy day, and I would take some time, and I would exercise at night. And it was kind of the way that I de-stressed. And I've lived here now for a little over three years. And for three years, I've tried to convince myself that my evenings will begin to get less busy. And they haven't. Because apparently the role of a pastor is different than the roles that I've done in the past. You know what I mean? And so I've finally taken it in to go, I have to do something different. And so my wife and I, this week, we started the habit of setting an alarm and getting up in the morning and walking. And the first thing I do is I close that little ring in the morning just to get it out of the way so my watch quits annoying me and those type of things like that. I just, I get that done. But it's right now, it's very mechanical. I don't want to do it. I don't like to do it. It doesn't feel good. That alarm goes off. I'm like, ooh. And, and when you start those things, you have to be very intentional. It rained Thursday, and boy, that was a beautiful excuse, wasn't it? But you know what I did? We actually put on raincoats and walked anyway, because I knew how important it is right now that if we're going to actually get this stuff done, I've got to eliminate everything. I've got to start this new way of doing it. And when we're getting consistent, it might feel mechanical. It might feel you know, that way at first until it becomes a habit. You know, we actually made a, a change in the way that we're doing things in our worship service, and this is a great place to, to say it because you have to remind it all, all the time. You have to say this. After I'm done preaching, um, we're going to sing a song, and then we're going to come back up and do some announcements at the end. And if you're interested in joining the church or if you're interested in, in meeting one of the pastors for prayer, we've actually moved that to following the worship service. And we did that for a reason. Because when we were doing that during the worship service, we didn't have time to connect with all the people that we wanted to connect with. And so we've moved that. So that's why I'm telling you that now, because it's something that's intentional that we're doing over and over. And if you don't communicate it, then it doesn't get done, right? Or, or, or we slip back to our old habits or people don't know. And so just know that, you see, there, there's other things that we do in our life. It has to have intentionality. You have to know why you're doing it. And so we want to read the Word of God consistently. And Moses gives us some advice here. Put it all around you. If you want to get it consistently in your life, remind yourself of it. Find someone to talk to about it. Take what you've read that day. And if you want to get to know the Word of God, there is no greater thing that you can do than to teach it to someone else. Now, the first thing that probably goes off in some of our heads is, well, I don't know what I would teach. That's why you need to teach it. The first time that I had to teach a class, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to teach until, guess what? All of a sudden, there's going to be five people that show up here in a little bit. You better be ready for something. And you start figuring out what to teach. It's a great thing that you can do. A another thing that you can do along the way, find a way to just keep it in front of you. All of the time so that it stays consistently. Moses gives it here. He goes, bind them as a sign on your hand. Let them be a symbol on your forehead. Talk about it when you lie down. Talk about it when you get up. Write them on the doorpost of your house. You know, I like Scripture to go right over the speedometer. So that way when the officer pulls me over, I, go, I had no idea how fast I was going. <laughs> officer, but I'm about got this verse memorized. That's awesome. <laughs> right? You see what I'm saying? You can put Scripture all around you anywhere. That you can help just remind you to, to take it in 
in these type of ways. When it's new to you, that's sometimes what you need to do. Now, I don't mean this to be funny or disrespectful in any way, but I'll just tell you something. The house that I grew up in had a verse that was hung right over the toilet. I know that verse. You know what I mean? Because you see it a few times a day, every day, all that, and what else are you going to look at? Right there, and I don't mean that to be real. I mean it's a great example of later in life. I was like, "How do I know this verse?" And you go, "Oh, it was hanging right there all the time." And so that's one of the ways that you can just learn to get it into your life consistently. That's what we're trying to do. So how do you get the most of it? It has to be consistent, constant, there all the time. Keep it in front of you. The next thing, if you want to get the most out of the Word of God, you have to keep it in your heart. Put it in your heart. What are the ways that we put it in our heart, okay? So it's about memorization. And I know anytime you start talking to people about memorization, most of the first thing that they say is, I don't know that I can learn those things. But the truth is we can memorize a lot of things because I can tell you a story about a man named Jed, and that poor mountaineer barely kept his family fed. And then one day he was you know, looking for some food, and up through the ground came bubbling crude, you know, oil, that is, black, you you see what I'm saying? Thank you. And all of you are laughing because you can say it, right? And we say, oh, I can't memorize things, but we can, and I know that I just left a generation out on that, so if you need me to go with maybe a younger generation, it was in West Philadelphia I was born and raised, and on the playground is where I spent most of my days shooting out, chilling out, relaxing, you know, all those type of things. You say, we say we can't memorize stuff, but we absolutely can memorize things. And what's the key to those things is that we repeat them over and over and over and over. Don't watch Star Wars movies with me if you don't want to know what that person is and what they're going to say and what's going on. I've seen them hundreds of times. Nobody's ever done this with their favorite song. I heard it once, it was awesome, and I've never heard it again. You have that favorite song, and you put it on over, and you put it on over and over, and it's annoying. We, we do these things. So understand, when the psalmist writes these words, Psalm 119.11, he says, I've treasured your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And, and we talk about taking God's word and memorizing it. Sometimes we make that so formal that we miss what it's about, when we take it in line with what, read it consistently and what Moses said to us, this is, this is the picture that we begin to paint. You want to surround yourself in God's word. You want to know it over and over. You want to do like my professor and you can go, okay, 48 years of reading through that every 20, you know, every 30 days. You're, you're going to kind of know these type of things. And that's it. And you're storing it in your heart so that when you need it, it's there. When, you, when you've put it in your heart, because what you've put in your heart is eventually going to come out. And sometimes, if I, I, can I just tell you a little secret? If we were to have like a Bible drill contest or we're going to start sharing verses, I promise you I'd come in last because my brain doesn't work that way. But if we're having conversations and you start talking to me about things that are going on in your life and I've connected it with what God's Word put in me and, and I'm walking with the Spirit filled in me, guess what starts coming up out of me? You know, this is what Paul said about this. Hey, this is over here. But if we're just going to go, hey, start listing all the verses. You, okay, Jesus wept. I got that one. Okay, and, and we, we, that's not how it works. And so sometimes we intimidate ourselves and going, I can't do this. When the psalmist tells us to hide God's word in our heart that we might not sin against him, 
We just need to know we need to put it over and over and over and over in front of us until it becomes just something that comes out of us all the time. Don't make it so formal and sticky. Just keep it in front of you. And as you read through Scripture, when something jumps out at you or when God puts something in front of you, write it down. Put it in front of you. Put it over your speedometer. Put it on a mirror. Whatever you're going to do. You know, that way it helps you repeat these things. It keeps it going. And I'm going to tell you one other just little trick that I learned when I was having to write papers in school. And because this is how we tend to, this is how we tend to read God's word. You ready? This is how we tend to read it. Like this. One of my professors told me, he goes, if you want to become a better writer and if you want to do these things well, after you've written your paper, read it out loud. Don't just read it back. Read it out loud. And so there are times maybe if I'm struggling with this sinking in, I just stop and go, I don't understand this. And so then I can just start reading and go, okay, I'm going to read this out loud. So sometimes and you go, well, Pastor, it's called quiet time. Well, fine. All right. You're still quiet between you and God. Just read it out loud. Sometimes it helps it sink in because you have more things that are coming together in your mind and in your heart. That's going to help you keep it in your heart. It's going to do something differently when you begin to read it out loud as well. So keep God's word in your heart. That's how you're going to be getting the most out of it in your life. And then the next one's this. <laughs> it's pretty simple. I must do what it says. I mean, that's the goal, right? I go back to what I said, if I'm going to take, you know, if I love this recipe and I love the, the dish when they served it to me, but I'm going to take their instructions and I'm going to pick and choose what I'm going to do out of it, I'm not going to get the same results. The word of God is very clear that God loves us so much that he sent his one and only son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but should have everlasting life. God so much wants to restore a relationship with mankind to look like it did in the first chapter of the whole thing, Genesis 1-1, when he created man with reason and purpose and out of love and for our goodness and for his glory. And God knows that sin separated us from him, and so he sent Jesus Christ so that we can be restored in a relationship to him and then not only so that we can die one day and go to heaven but so that we can experience life as God designed it to be the only way that you get to live out life as God designed it to be is when you do what God's word says not just believe what it says but actually do what it says James the half brother of Jesus wrote these words it says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And what he's saying about it is you're, you're fooling yourself if you think that, well, if I just am kind of around it enough, and maybe even if I memorize it or if I go to church enough, then it's all good. And James is saying, don't trick yourself into that. Be doers of the word. Do what it says. And Jesus himself, I think, gives us one of the greatest illustrations of this. In Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7 is the is the end part of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's one of Jesus' most famous public teaching times. It's found in Matthew chapter 5 through 7. If you're following our reading plan, you'll get there in September. How about that? Some of you just realized we don't get to the New Testament until September. There's a lot before that, okay? But you'll get there in September. 
And, and in this teaching, Jesus is teaching publicly. He comes to the end of his teaching time publicly, and he wraps up everything that he has said, which he's talked about, life and marriage and relationships and loving God and finances and, and murder and envy. And, I mean, he's talked about it all in this sermon. And he comes to the very end of it, and these are the words he says. He gives an illustration to the people listening. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like the wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew, and pounded that house. Yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. So Jesus himself is saying the point of his word is not just to read it. It's not just to memorize it. It's to actually act on it. It's to actually live it out and do it. And if you didn't catch it, there's something that's very obvious, though it may not be the first thing that comes to mind as you read this passage. Jesus is saying that there's two kinds of people, but there's one kind of life. Take it in. Two kinds of people are this. The people who hear God's word, take it in, and then act on it. Are there the people who hear God's word, they may even take it in, but they don't live it out? Those are the two kinds of people. But there's one kind of life. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew, and pounded that house. That happened to both people. You see, some people think, well, if I am a Christian and I take in God's word and I do it all like he told me to do it and everything is going right, then everything's going to go good and I'm not going to have any trouble in life. No, that's not what this is saying. What Jesus is saying is life is life. And if you want to navigate life experiencing the joy and, and the life the way that only God can lead us to experience in it, then you actually take God's word in and you live it out. Because then no matter the troubles that happen in life, you will know how to navigate through it and you will have somebody who is making sure that you're seeing yourself through these things that are in life. There's a partner that goes with you in them. But if you choose to say, I really like this dish, but I'm not sure about the recipe, and you pick and choose, and I'm going to do this part, and I'm not going to do this part, and I think this part's relevant, I don't like that. But what Jesus is saying is, if you're not living it out, well, then you're going to run into these things in life, and you're going to have no idea what to do. And eventually, it's going to lead to your own disaster. Jesus, that almost sounds like a threat, but it's not a threat, it's just the truth. Jesus loves us so much that he's trying to look at us all and say, I know that in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. And he's saying, let me tell you how to navigate the difficulties of this word. Take what's in God's word, put it in your heart, and then live it out. And when you come to the place that you don't know what to do in your relationships, do what this word says. And when you come to this place that you don't know how to manage your finances, do what this word says. And when you come to that place that you don't know the next steps to take, in the, then you do what this word says. And when you come to that place that life gives you something that you don't really want, then you just do what this word says. And you will survive and make it through it. And it can beat on you all at once, but you will make it. Don't you want that hope? We all know 
that life isn't everything it's cracked up to be all the time. And we all need hope that there is something greater that can get us through this in the future. And that's the path that we've been given. Let me give you one bonus point on this. And that's this. It's pretty simple. Ask questions. When you start taking in the word of God, you're not going to understand it all. I don't understand it all. There's things I still write down and seek questions and people who have been in there longer than me or I find other ways to get these things explained. But you've got to learn to ask questions so that you can truly take it into your heart, so that you can live it out. Do you realize that if you don't ask questions, here's what happens. You take in God's word and you begin to live it out the way that you think that it should be lived out, but you don't really understand how the whole thing happens, right? Now, I'm... Some of you who know me may have heard me tell this story before, but I love sharing it because it's embarrassing on me, okay, and you can laugh at me. But when I was in seventh grade, and I started seventh grade basketball, and I love basketball, and I'd been playing basketball since about third or fourth grade at that point in time, but in seventh grade, you get your first coaches, and they first start instructing you on all these type of things, and you're thinking, okay, I want to do good, and I want to make the team, and if you don't know, there's seventh grade A team, and B team, and C team, and D team, and E team, and F team, and because you're running in herds in middle school, and if one boy goes out for basketball, then all 700 of us have to go out for basketball. You know, you know what I mean? And so you're trying to, to find your way to making your... I'm trying to listen to the coach and do exactly what he tells me to do one day, and he's trying to teach us how to do layups, and I'm going to teach everybody how to do a layup, okay? If you're dribbling the ball in, and you're approaching the basket, and you're coming from this side of the court in to the right. You jump with your left foot, you lay it up with your right hand because that way you can keep the blockers away from it. It keeps the ball further away from these people. He says, but if you're coming in from the other way, if you're coming in from the left side, you want to do your best to dribble left-handed, jump off your right foot and lay it up left-handed again so you can keep like that. Well, I thought if it's good enough for layups, it's good enough to just draw a line down the middle of this court. And so I started doing like this. If I were on this side of the court, then I was shooting right-handed. And if I came over to this side of the court, I was trying to shoot left-handed. And I am not left-handed. And the coach went, what are you trying to do? And I said, well, you said if I'm over here right-handed. He goes, no, that's just for layups. What are you trying to do with all that? And it, just, it was so incredibly hard. And I was, I was making it harder than it was because I was too scared to go, I don't understand. Can you help me understand this more? And so, bonus point here, ask questions. As you come along and you go, I don't know that I understand what God's word is telling me to do. Proverbs 1-7 shares us this pretty simply. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. You know what this book is full of? Wisdom and instruction. And so it's pretty simple. If you want to be a wise person, then we respect, we awe God, we reverence him. We have fear of the Lord that says, I understand that I need to do what God wants me to do. But we're also wise enough to know that I don't have all of that figured out, so I'm going to need some help along the way. And we don't despise wisdom and instruction. We say, God, show me how to live this out. So I just want to give you a simple prayer to close this up today. And it's this, as you begin to read God's word, as you begin to take it in, as you begin to do your best, you may just want to pray this prayer each day before you take it in. God, help me to know your word so that I can live your word. That's it. God, help me to know your word so that I can live your word. I said it earlier in the message, I just want to remind you again, everything in this word 
is trying to point us to life as God has created us to be in a restored relationship with him that is the fullest, bestest, most awesomenestest, however you want to say it, life that you could possibly imagine. But it doesn't happen without first having that relationship with Jesus Christ. And so that's why so many of this stuff points to the person of Jesus Christ to say you have to have a relationship with him first so that you can take in his word so that you can live it out. So I pray this morning that you know Jesus Christ and that you're taking in God's word and trying to live that out today.